After losing four family members in a devastating drunk driving accident that made headlines around the world, he found himself on a long journey through grief, inner peace, and forgiveness, and now teaches others how to do the same. Today, I'm honored to share my first podcast interview with an incredible and inspiring human and author whose book called Surviving the Crash is coming out this month. Hi, I'm Gloria Zhang, and after 10 years of struggling in toxic relationships, I attracted the love of my life by healing my inner child. This podcast is your weekly dose of my expertise as a therapist and dating relationship coach for high achievers. Learn tips to overcome low self-worth, emotional baggage, and childhood trauma so that you too can step into your power and attract the love you desire. Welcome to the Inner Child Podcast. So I was a little nervous and I didn't set my mic up properly, so my voice does sound a little bit funny. However, today is all about Chad's incredible story. And if you have ever gone through hardship, I know that you'll learn so much from this interview just like I did. Make sure to screenshot this episode and tag me on Instagram at ByGloriaZang because I love, love hearing all of your takeaways and your messages. Now, as a gentle disclaimer, we are talking about grief and loss, so listen at your own discretion and, as always, practice safe self-care. Now, before we jump in, I am so excited to let you know that my Heal Your Inner Child Academy that starts in July is now open for pre-registration. This is my new self-discovery transformation program over three months where I guide you through the A to Z of healing your inner child wounds. Learn to permanently break old patterns and manifest the lifestyle and relationships that you desire and deserve. If you're on the waitlist, check your email today for your exclusive invitation. And if you didn't get one, please email me and someone from the team will help you out. The waitlist discount is open for 72 hours only. So if you feel a calling, you still have time to sign up by clicking the link in show notes or visiting bygloriazang.com. Now, without further ado, my dear listeners, please welcome to the podcast, Chad Muro. Okay, now we're live. Chad, welcome to the show and also for being the first guest on the Inner Child Podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Gloria. I'm excited to do this. Yes, me too. So I found Chad through the Tony Robbins Facebook group because I believe we both took one of the seminars together. And as soon as I saw your post about your book, my eyes just lit up and I thought, oh my goodness, I need to have this human on the podcast. Your story is so incredible and so full of courage. And you've got this book coming out now. So congratulations on that. And thanks for coming on today. Well, thank you so much for the introduction. And yeah, it's funny how you run into different people that are kind of on this journey in life to better themselves and do some personal development. So with the Tony Robbins group, there's a lot of fantastic people on there. So I appreciate the invite. Well, you're welcome. Thank goodness for the internet and the Facebook age. <laughs> Absolutely. So, Chad, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and how your story led to writing this book? Absolutely. I grew up in Saskatchewan on a family farm, and my brother and I, growing up through the years, right from seven, eight years old, all the way up till we were done high school, we helped out on the farm. And 
from there, I was very interested in running my own business and eventually landed on that, became an entrepreneur and currently running five businesses and life is very, very busy. I have two boys, currently 16 and 18, just recently in April. They both had uh, birthdays. And I guess landing on writing a book was quite the journey for me. In January 2016, I got the phone call that everybody dreads at 3 o'clock in the morning from the local RCMP explaining to me that there was a terrible car accident and that my sister and my brother-in-law were killed in the accident. And he also shared that my niece and nephew were in the vehicle and he was uncertain as to what their condition was like and how they were doing. So in the following months after that phone call and the process of going through losing family, I sort of felt lost and didn't know how to pick up the pieces and carry on. And it led me down a road of personal development and self-exploration, learning a little more about who I was and what made me tick and getting in touch with my feelings and understanding a lot of that and how that was really affecting me through the process of grief. And it landed me going down personal development in a big way. And in 2018, I did quite a few different programs and I started being more vocal and more vulnerable and sharing my story, what it was like to lose four family members in a horrific car accident taken by a drunk driver. And the more open I became and the more honest I was with how I was doing and how I was feeling, the more people were connecting with it and showing some emotion and asking me to share more about how I got through 2016. And it really clicked in me at some point in 2018 that so many people are coming up to me and saying, oh my gosh, I've been stuck on something in my life and I've had no idea how to carry on or what to do. I felt like I had no tools and no hope, no belief. And they just keep sharing with me that grabbing a mic in front of a couple of hundred people in a room at an event and sharing my story and how I'm feeling and how I'm doing and actually even crying while I'm talking about it, give other people some tools and some hope that they can figure out some of the things that are going on in their life. And then in the spring of 2019, I went to the MAD conference in Toronto and it was the first time I'd been there. I was kind of the newbie there. And at one point in the first day, I believe, they split us up into groups based on who you lost due to drunk driving, whether it was a spouse or a child or a sibling, so on and so forth. So I'm in a room with other people that have lost siblings due to drunk driving. And we all get a couple of minutes to share who we are and our story and basically anything we want to. And out of 18 people in the room, I heard people's anguish and and anger, hurt, pain, broken hearts. It's a room full of so many people really having a hard time with losing a family member. And 
by the time it got around to me, I was the new guy. I'm the last to share my story. And of course, as soon as I said the Van de Worst family from January of 2016, everybody immediately knew who I was because the car accident, it made news all the way across the country, of course, and people were really following it and connecting with it. So everybody in the room knew the name as soon as I said it. And when I shared, I talked very briefly about forgiveness and very briefly about how I was doing quite well considering. And on purpose, I was very brief with it because after hearing 17 other people that were really, really hurting still, and some of them you know, shared their stories that had happened a couple of years prior. Some of them were decades prior. And that really twisted my heart and hit me really hard that, oh my gosh, some of these folks are really having a hard time 20, 30 years later, five years later, whatever the case may be. And here I am as the new guy, just over three years after losing my family and thinking, okay, I'm talking about forgiveness. It was the quietest, most eerie feeling in that room. It was like I said a terrible thing. It was like I said something kind of foreign to a lot of people in the room. That was sort of the first indicator for me that made me think, hmm, perhaps I'm a little bit different. Perhaps I'm dealing with this slightly differently than some other people are. And, you know, everybody's journey through grief is different. So there's no judgment on my part. It was just noticing that my share was different. My story was a little bit different. And further from that, in the fall of 2019, I was at yet another personal development event. And at that event, we had to write down some goals. And one of the goals needed to be something that you felt was bigger than you. It had a higher purpose it had like it was something that was beyond you so to me instantly I had it written down on a paper that I needed to share my story in a book because I knew that me telling my story would help other people navigate through some of the tough things that are happening in their life so it was a combination of 2018 lots of personal development and self-exploration followed by 2019, two pivotal events that I went to, the MAD conference in the spring, and then another personal development event in the fall of 19. And as soon as I got that goal down on paper and verbalized it, shared it out loud with the group, again, I had people coming up to me, most of them in tears, saying, I need to understand your story. I need to hear your story. So thank you so much for having the courage to want to even get it down on paper and get it out into the world so other people can read it and maybe understand how you've navigated through the whole process. So that's a very long-winded answer to a question, but that's essentially how I landed on even the thought of writing a book. Thank you so much for sharing, Chad, and sharing the vulnerable moments and the hardships that you have endured on this journey. And for those of you who are listening, I am including a link to Chad's website where you can order a copy of his book, Surviving the Crash. So definitely check in the show notes link. 
And just to go back to what you said before about forgiveness. So, you know, I, I spoke to you about this briefly before, but in the inner child healing world, just like you said, the concept of forgiveness is completely individual, where some people choose to forgive, others do not. And of course, we honor the individual's personal choice. You know, neither is wrong or right. But I do know for a fact that I have some listeners who are considering the path of forgiveness. And with your experience, I was wondering if you could share your story of why you personally chose forgiveness and if you have any advice for these particular listeners. Absolutely. Forgiveness for me, you know, it wasn't something that happened overnight. It wasn't something that magically just came to me one day when I woke up. It was more of a process of diving deep down inside and understanding who I was and what am I doing on this planet? What am I doing in my daily life and with my kids and family and coming to a place of, okay, let's explore the past and some of the things that I had done that I wasn't proud of and working through those in a way where I came to peace. You know, I was okay with the things that I perceived as something that I had done wrong or, you know, maybe I broke somebody's trust or maybe I did something wrong in school or as a child. I explored all of that. So I really dove deep into my past and just really becoming okay with how it all played out. All the things I did right, all the things I did wrong, it all became perfect to me as in I'm at peace with it and understanding that all had to happen to get me to where I am today. And this happened roughly four to five months after the accident. And by then I was already having thoughts of, you know, I would like to reach out to the woman who took my family from me, who was incarcerated for killing four people. I would like to one day reach out to her. And just having those thoughts and feelings that come along with that, and also exploring my dad passed away 15 years here at the end of May. And when he passed away, I was holding on to some anger and some rage. And, you know, there were some conversations that were left undone. Going over that kind of stuff in my mind, you know, I became okay and at peace with things that I maybe should have done differently with him and also vice versa. Some of the stuff that I was maybe upset about with him, I flipped it around. I started focusing on the good things he did. I started focusing on the good things that I did. And pretty soon, that's sort of all I was focusing on. I lost sight of the things that I was maybe displeased with or unhappy with, with my relationship with my dad, with things that I maybe didn't do exactly right previously in my life and just being at peace with all of that so it was sort of a simultaneous thing where I became okay with everything as far as you know who I am and the things that I've done and my dad and also with Catherine that's the woman that went to prison for drunk driving for killing my family and once I got to that I started exploring the forgiveness piece like it doesn't make things right. It doesn't change things. However, it allows me to be at peace with things. 
I can honestly say that I forgive her for her actions to make that event happen. And I can forgive my dad for some of the things that I wish he would have done differently. And I forgive myself for some of the things that I was perceiving as wrongdoings or shortcomings or whatever the case might be. That's essentially how I landed on forgiveness in the summer of 2016. Thank you for sharing, Chad. And again, I'm so sorry for your losses and all the work you must have had to do, as you've just explained. You know, it sounds like you went through like an inner transformation of some sorts, seeing life through a different lens. I would agree with that 100%. And it was the timing of things through that process, too. I think for myself, I wasn't maybe ready to hear some things or... You know, a friend of my dad's would say something and I might twist it the wrong way or make my own version of what that person was trying to say. And then in the summer of 16, when I was really doing all this self-exploration, I was hearing those things differently. I remember at one point in about August, mid-August, a gentleman who knew my dad for many years, he said, you know, your dad would have given his shirt off his back for anybody, no questions asked. And he kind of chuckled about it and laughed about it. And him and I went on talking about whatever else we were talking about. And I, I walked away from that differently that day thinking, you know, I know that's how he was. So why am I focusing on the things that I disliked or was upset about instead of all the really great things that he did? And that was a pivotal day for me because then I started focusing on the really great things that I've done and that dad did and that other people around me are doing and have done. And further from that, exploring Catherine and thinking to myself, hmm, I wonder what kind of person she is or was and what kind of a mom is she to her kids and what is she really like? So just becoming really curious and that sort of shifted my thinking even more with her as I was contemplating, you know, okay, a tragedy happened. And of course she didn't purposely mean to have that happen. You know, that's a different conversation. We can talk about that all day, but I chose to focus more on what is she really like as a person and deep down inside how is she with her kids and her family and with other people? And that just gave me a different spin on things. It allowed me to be really, really at peace with things and very curious. And that sort of led me down the path of wanting to reach out to her family. I can tell you that that's been a very remarkable and amazing experience, just chatting with some of her kids. It's been great. Can you tell us what that first meeting was like, meeting the family of the driver? Absolutely. I'm going to back up just a bit. So I started following some of the things on social media, people commenting on the prison sentence, and she went to a healing lodge, and there was people commenting on that. And the intersection where the collision happened actually got shut down. They tore it apart and removed it so you can't go through there anymore. So there was lots of different things unfolding and happening. And during that time, I wasn't sleeping all that well. That was still in the first year. And I 
landed on some conversations where one of Catherine's daughters was commenting on some of the posts. So I figured out who she was and had a name. And that led me to, once I was curious about who Catherine was and what she's all about, uh, figuring out who her daughter was on social media and her name, I knew I'd be able to connect the dots and reach out. So I did that and I sent a message. Meeting her oldest daughter was, I mean, there's not really words to describe it other than I was just in awe and it was kind of a wow thing. We we had this great conversation and it was it was heart-centered, it was emotional, it was the best way for me to describe it, and I, I talk about this in my book, is healing hearts together. Because essentially we were both still trying to figure out life. We were both lost and we were both hurt. And from two sides of the story, you have people sitting in a coffee shop and just looking at each other and having a conversation. And sure, there was some awkwardness in the first few minutes, but once we got past the first couple of minutes, it was really a great conversation. And the second meeting I had was with Catherine's younger daughter, and it was even more profound. We met at a bakery, we sat down and had a coffee, and same thing, just really emotional, deep conversation. Her youngest daughter shared a little more as far as how she was feeling and what she thought about her mom and just sharing her hurt and her pain. We connected on this really deep emotional level and had just really great conversation. And she cried for quite a bit of it. There was hugs. At times, there was both hands on the table and even reaching out for one another. It was the same kind of thing. Just two people doing their best to navigate through a really tough situation and really having a great connection. It was really, really good, I think, for both of us. So her younger daughter and I, we've met two or three times and conversations have always been really great. And Catherine's son, him and I have met, I would say, a half a dozen times. And we chat back and forth through messages quite often. The first year and a half when I was seeing him quite often and talking back and forth quite a bit, there was times where we were talking daily and talking really deep and lots of great conversation. Meetings have been non-existent basically since COVID. But yeah, it's been just an amazing journey through getting to know them and who they are and how they're doing. You know, initially when I reached out, it was curiosity. I wanted to sort of understand how they were doing and how it's been for them. Then approaching the subject of, you know, I want to write this book and I want to share forgiveness and I want to share both families' stories and them being okay with that. And I shared what it was like learning that their mom was in this horrific car crash and not knowing if she was even alive, not knowing if she was hit or if she hit somebody else or just lots of unknowns and understanding that she took the lives of other people and how hard that was. 
like we've had just really amazing conversations and it really helped me understand, you know, sort of what they've been through and how hard it's been. Like I said before, healing hearts and healing together. And it's just been a great journey to understand that a little better. Are you still in contact with the family, Chad? Yes. So the younger daughter and her son, we still converse back and forth a little bit. Her son more often than the rest, for sure. And as far as Catherine goes, I did write her a letter when she was still in the Healing Lodge, and that would have been the summer of 2019. I shared my forgiveness, and I shared my thoughts and my feelings. I mean, it was a short, brief letter, about a page, maybe a page and a half. And she received it. I knew she received it because her son and I were talking quite extensively then. And he told me that she read it. And he told me what she thought of it and different things like that. So it was really cool to see that all play out and unfold. She knows how I feel about her and how I would like to one day possibly say that face to face to her. So, well, I mean, that's something we'll have to see how things go. It's still a vision I have that one day I'd be able to do that face-to-face with her and share my forgiveness. You know, Chad, what I love so much about your story is that you're showing that there are so many different ways that we can move through grief. And I think that's a message that a lot of people resonate with, to show them that there is a way out of it. I would absolutely agree. I call it the grief fog. Oh, I love that. The grief of fog. Yeah. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's the first year for sure is just, there is no right. There is no wrong. Everybody navigates differently and everybody has different feelings. And, you know, the, the anger, the rage, the uncontrollable emotions, the overly happy one day like it's just a really weird thing to really navigate through and I call it the grief fog because I mean there's absolutely days where I had no idea what I was supposed to be doing just absolutely lost my brain was not working at all I just cannot compute what it is I was supposed to be doing for the day it was to the point where I was asking my ex-wife Quite often, you know, what's happening with the kids, what's going on this week, what happens, their sports and their school activities. So finding people to lean on was key for me, asking for help, asking for guidance. I knew that I was going to have a tough time doing things, even routine things, easy things that we take for granted. It can be tough to feed yourself for days. It can be tough to figure out how to sleep, tough to remember things. My short-term memory was a mess, right, from January till I started noticing it come back late October into November. But through that whole period of time, I had to ask a lot of questions. And, you know, I had great support. People knew what was going on and what had happened. It's interesting how... Over time, that sort of dissipates and changes. People think, you know, oh, okay, it's been nine months or it's been a year. You should be okay now and you, you should have everything going well in your life again like it was before. And that's absolutely not the case. Grief comes and goes as it pleases. There's no warning. There's no set 
timeline on it. You could feel fine for weeks or even months. And then you just have a day where you wake up. You don't even know what's wrong. It's like you're reliving it again, or maybe you've had a dream about it again. And so grief is funny that way. You're in and out of it. I think the waves of it just get a little bit easier to handle. They're a little bit easier to tread through them. Uh, Initially, it's really harsh and really hard. And often you're getting hit with things off and it's the feelings, the emotion, the trauma, and not even knowing what the heck's going on lots of times. And just over time, that's sort of, for me anyway, it's sort of dissipated where you start to have more good days than bad days. You start to have more good hours than bad hours. The grief fog sort of lifts a bit where for me, I felt like my mind was starting to come back. My short-term memory was starting to come back. Things were clicking again. Things were going through the right direction with thoughts and feelings and emotions. It's so different for everybody. And you can talk to 100 different people and get 100 different answers as to how you navigate through it. And for me, I just call it a grief fog because you really don't know what's coming or how to navigate through it. I'm so glad you described it so candidly for us, Chad. I know oftentimes we talk about the five stages of grief, the denial, anger, bargaining, and in reality, it's not linear at all. Sometimes we go through all the stages multiple times. Sometimes we go backwards and it's on a clear path. Mm -hmm. And I think the most interesting thing with that is you think you're kind of through it and you think, okay, I've had like three good months Things are good. I'm sleeping good. I'm eating well, all of it. And then you just have a week where you're just off and it's kind of back again and you're going through the the cycles of it all again. That to me was something I really didn't expect. I lost my dad 15 years ago and I went through grief with that. And this time around, losing four in one shot was tougher It was a lot more difficult to get through. My sister was my best friend. We talked every day. And to lose that connection with somebody that is your best friend up until that point was really, really tough for me. And the kids being five and two years old, that's a whole new ballgame too as far as the grief of losing somebody in your life that's so young and they have everything ahead of them. And it's tough to get through that. So I think... Grief can have a different path and, and different meanings and different things going on depending on who it is you lose and how close you are to them and how old they are and the circumstances around how they pass away. There's so many factors. It just affects everybody differently too, for sure. And Chad, what advice would you give to someone listening who's also going through a process of grief, but is sort of stuck in that same grief fog that you described before? I think my number one suggestion for somebody struggling and having a hard time, for me, what really worked was talking about it. I found myself at three or four in the morning not being able to sleep and playing on social media and I knew a few people that were kind of night owls as well, and I'd reach out to folks like that and have conversations with strangers on social media and different groups, uh, different settings where I knew it was okay to share openly. And that is what really worked for me, sharing how I was feeling and 
how things were going and the emotions behind it and who I was missing and why, how does this happen and why does this happen? Like there's so many different conversations about that with other people that were going through things or had been through situations where they maybe lost some family members or friends or coworkers or spouses, whatever it might be. That to me, I'm sure was the biggest thing was allowing myself to be emotional and talk, allowing myself to put myself out there in awkward conversations when other people maybe didn't understand. I just need to get it out. I need to share it. I need to show it. And I think a lot of people have a hard time with that. There's particularly men, I think. A lot of men are raised where you're not supposed to show emotion, you're not supposed to cry, you're not supposed to have conversations where you talk in depth about emotions. It's something that I think is kind of stifled and and hidden. People feel like they shouldn't do that. And I went the opposite way with it. I shared, I talked, I cried. The connections I've made with other people through that process, I have some men in my life that were essentially very distant from their emotions, very removed from actually allowing themselves to feel and to cry and to have conversations about it. So me being out there talking about it openly, a lot of other people that do the same. So that's absolutely would be my number one thing is find people to talk to, go see counselors, go see doctors, go anybody that's going to listen to you talk, friends, family, get yourself in some support groups where it's a safe place to share and be open. Reach out to me, anybody that's going through grief. I'm more than willing to go down that road with anybody. I have done quite a bit of it in the last five years. I love connecting with people and sharing what works for me, finding other people like that. That was key for me, for sure. Yes, I agree. Finding that safe support system is so, so important. And I was actually about to ask you about being a man in this experience. So even in the listenership of this podcast, I think we started off with 5% of listeners who identified as a man. Now it's about 12, 15%. So it's exciting to see that we are in the process of destigmatizing emotions and talking about our feelings, especially with men. You know, I wanted to get your thoughts on what it's like to be a man and being in a public forum in a public space to be someone talking about grief and going through these motions. The first thing that comes to mind is it's okay to be not okay. And it sort of circles back to what I was saying earlier. A lot of men are raised in an environment where they feel like they shouldn't show their emotion or shouldn't talk about the hard things that are happening in their life. I I think it's so important that we open up that dialogue and open up the opportunities for everybody to do that. And men in particular, in my experience has been that I find it quite easy to connect with women. They allow themselves to get to that emotional, deep conversation. They allow themselves to share openly about their hurts and their pains and some of the things that are going on in their lives. Quite often, they take it inside, they go internally with it, and they don't share how they're doing, how they're feeling. So 
I think it's super important to make that happen going forward. And I'm with you on that. <laughs> yeah. A very exciting topic for me. <laughs> and the more I became open with my story, and once I had the idea that I should write the book, I started doing some runs. I did a marathon to raise money for MAD, and people were connecting with that. I would go on and I'd do a live on Facebook and just talk about what I was thinking when I was running, thinking about my nephew, McGuire, and you know how I miss him wrapping his hand around my finger and going for a walk, or how I miss hanging out with my niece, Cameron, or how I miss picking up the phone and calling my sister and, you know, showing some emotion while I talk about that and showing some tears even when I was talking about my family that's no longer here while I'm running. I'd get home from my run and I would jump on and do a live and talk about it, knowing that me sharing openly is going to help somebody. And I'd get phone calls, I'd get messages and people saying that that two-minute or five-minute video that I just did helped them in different ways. About a year ago, I had a woman call me, and she said, you have no idea how much you've helped me. And I said, what do you mean? She said, when you started doing your runs and talking about some of the hard things that you were thinking about when you were running, I connected to that, and I feel your hurt and I feel your pain. And it allowed me to get out and get moving and get active and think about some hard things that I sort of, you know, I thought they were done. I thought they were gone or dealt with. In reality, I'm getting active and thinking about some of those things in my life. And it's really helped me tremendously navigate through some of the hard things that are going on with my family. And I thought, wow, that's amazing. Good for you. That's so awesome that you're doing well. And she said, no, no, that's not the point. I wanted to phone you and tell you that because you did those videos and shared openly with how you were feeling, it allowed me to feel. It allowed me to move past some of the hard things instead of not dealing with it. So thank you very much for that. I'm now running, and I didn't run before. And I now go to the gym three or four times a week, and I never did that before either. Yeah, she just went on and she said, you've helped me in every way in my life. And I really just wanted to share that with you. Things like that have happened quite a bit in the last five years. People have just been really amazing at sharing some of their feedback with me and, you know, how me sharing my journey has helped them. And that makes me want to push forward with it. That makes me want to keep going and keep being open and keep sharing, connecting with people on deeper levels. And that's sort of my hope with my book, too, is people read it and they get some ideas, they get some tools, they maybe a little bit of an understanding with something that's going on with them. And it's not just grief. It's not just loss. It can be any of the difficult things they have going on in their lives or the challenges that they have. I really think there's something in my book for everybody as far as navigating through those difficult things in their life. That's my hope and my goal with all of this is to be somebody else's guidance. I think my story can be other people's guidance. And I think you're doing a wonderful job. Also, just setting an example, you know, being able to be the voice for those who 
have a hard time finding their voice. And, you know, now we were talking about men, but not just for men, for all genders. Mm-hmm. I fully agree. That's awesome, Chad. You know, with the inner child stuff, so obviously we do a lot of work around it. And, you know, there comes times when people experience things that are unimaginable or our biggest fears happen. And it can really bring up some wounds in our own inner child. And, you know, I was wondering, what would you say to your inner child, to that inner little boy inside you? That's a tougher question to answer for me. I think when the initial news came in of a horrific tragedy, I think I immediately went to the feeling of of abandonment and fear of loss, being left behind, things like that. And if we're talking about my inner child, I would suggest that that's definitely something that has been on my mind as far as, you know, how has this affected me and how has it affected my inner child? What are some of the things that I've learned along the way with that? And absolutely, that's what it would be is that that fear of loss and that abandonment and being left behind and, you know, not good enough having conversation with my sister every day and then all of a sudden it's gone completely messes with my mind and with my inner child i'm sure thank you for answering that chad so very honestly of course so chad i do want to share and i'm really excited to get my hands on a copy of your book but what do you hope that readers of your book will take away from it the most i would say that I really believe that people are going to come away with hope. I think there's a lot of folks out there that are having some hard things happen in their life, and they're maybe in a point where they've lost some belief. They've maybe in a point where they're starting to lose some hope, and they're starting to get to a point where they're going to give up with a certain issue or some of the things that are happening in their life. It's hard to get through it. And so, I would really love it if people picked up the book, got through it, read it. You know, maybe parts of it were really good, so they want to go back and read it a second time or whatever that might look like. And just coming away with a sense of hope and coming away with a belief that some of the things that they're evaluating in their life or evaluating within themselves are now things that they want to go at it again. They want to explore those things again. and feel like they can get through them. They have that hope and that belief that they can do it. I love that. And I have no doubts that that will be the case. Here's a bit of a more fun question, but uh, I was going to ask you if you could put any words on a billboard for one week, what would you put on it? Oh, gosh. (laughs) That's quite the question. What comes to mind for me is... Always lead with love. Mm. Oh, that's beautiful. And I think that can be perceived so many different ways and different people reading that. It would mean something different to everybody. And for me, that's what's worked. Always lead with your heart. Always lead with love. And it allows you connection. It allows you circling back again. It allows you that hope and that belief. And having deeper conversations with people. That's what life is all about and getting to that point where you can have those conversations with people. So leading with love. I love that. I might have to steal that one from you, Chad. (laughs) 
with the inner child work, I talk a lot about moving from your head to your heart and moving into surrender versus survival and how sometimes we get really stuck in the logical thinking because it's a safe place to be, right? And really the feelings is where we learn so much about ourselves and where we can finally let go. So I think that quote just captures it perfectly. Absolutely. I fully agree with you when you say get out of your head and into your heart. It's done me wonders. I mean, that's who I've become in the last five years out of all of this is stop thinking about things from your head and from that perspective, rather than that going to like tuition, intuition and gut feelings and emotions, just leading with love and leading with my heart. It's led me well in the last five years and I don't anticipate there'll be anything different going forward. I'm going to continue to do the same. Please do. (laughs) We need more people like you, Chad. (laughs) So, Chad, as we're coming close to the end of this, where can people find you if they want to get in touch with you or grab a copy of your book? So the easiest way to check out my book is my website, and it's survivingthecrash.co. And also, I can give out my email because I have a lot of people connecting with me through there. It is saskychad at gmail.com, S-A-S-K-Y-C-H-A-D, gmail.com. And through either one of those, you can find me and you can ask questions, you can reach out, you can share anything that's going on in your life and in your world. I am an open book and I love connecting with people from all over the place. That's awesome. And we're going to throw the links in the show notes as well so that you can find them just below here. So thank you for being so open and being willing to speak to people who might really relate to you. And I'm definitely sure that there will be from this podcast episode. So Chad, what's next for you? Like, I think the book is coming out this month, right? Yeah, we are aiming to launch at the end of May. I anticipate at some point this week, I should have a proof copy in my hand and give it a once over and see if there's any last minute tweaks or changes to make. And we'll be launching with any luck at all before the end of the month. What's next for me can be, that's a bit of a loaded question. I think I have many things on the go with business and kids and life and family and different things like that. But I feel like I should share that my newest thing on the go is I'm launching a coaching and consulting business. What I've learned in the last few years is how much I really love connecting with people and serving people in any way I can with things that are going on in their life or business. So that's essentially what's coming down the pipeline here in the next little while is being more intentional with serving and helping people. That's fantastic. And I'm sure there will be so many people who could really use your service. So I'm looking forward to seeing what you come up with as well, Chad. Thank you so much. And I appreciate you having me on. This was this has been great. Yes, <laughs> this was amazing. And of course, we could probably talk for much longer, (laughs) but for today, this is going to be the end. So again, Chad, thank you so much for being on the show. And for anyone listening, there are lots of different ways that you can get in touch with Chad. 
You are very welcome. And thank you so much for having me on your podcast. If you love this episode, please hit subscribe and give us a five-star review. It really helps me a lot. So thank you. To join the community and get your daily dose of inner child tips, follow me on Instagram and social media at ByGloriaZang or visit ByGloriaZang.com. If you're a high achiever or entrepreneur who wants to work with me, message me the words high achiever and I'll get in touch. Thanks, bestie. See you in the next one. Thanks for tuning in, Bestie. I've got something for you. If you think this show deserves a five-star review, we'll send you my free Inner Child Starter Kit as a thank you for your support, which contains exclusive wallpapers and resources for you to download. To get your kit, just upload a screenshot of your review on Apple or Spotify to my webpage, bygloriazang.com slash reviews. The link is also in the show notes. There you can also check out my healing sessions and programs at bygloriazang.com. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast and I will meet you in the next episode. Mwah!